So we're going to jump in to John and chapter 14. John and chapter 14. And the title of my talk here on this snowy Sunday in Seattle is Our Home with Him. Our Home with Him. And I'd like to talk to you about the advantage you have. For anyone who has freely received the forgiveness of Jesus and the love of Jesus, you have an advantage in life, for Jesus has made his home in you. Are you ready? I'm so excited. God just showed me this, and I cannot wait to show it to you. And uh, we're going to have a bit, of a, a bit of a Bible study on this snowy Sunday. Got my cable knit sweater on. We're just going to have a Bible study. Get a little coffee in there. All right, you ready? Here we go. John chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Ooh, I love this next verse. I will not leave you as orphans. He is our father. He has adopted us. He will not leave us. I will come to you, Jesus says. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live and you also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. I love that verse. Can I read it again? Look how intertwined we are with God. In that day you'll know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, notice the parentheses, there was another Judas. Poor guy got lumped in with the other Judas, if you know what I mean. He says, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? What do you mean? Jesus said, if, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Wow, make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. And notice this, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Somebody say, that's good. You thought I was going to say Amen. No, no, that's good. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, thank you for the moments that we share. Lord, I pray for um, the oldest follower of Jesus in the room to the very first time guest here. I pray that you'd meet all of us. You'd meet all of us in where we really are in life. I pray you'd help us to see you, help us to see Jesus, help us to encounter your love and your grace for us and help the Seahawks beat the Washington Redskins by three touchdowns today and help it warm up a little bit for those of us going to the game. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Are you, um, do, you do you remember growing up that, that term, scaredy cat? Do you remember that term? Don't, don't all respond at once, please. It's, over, it's actually overwhelming. Um, 
Scaredy cat. Remember, remember that term? And it usually was reserved for people like me, to be honest. Uh, I have a vivid imagination, and so I was the kid who every time my dad put me to bed, I was blessed enough to have like a heroic father who I love so much. And uh, honestly, till like the day I was married, my dad pretty much tucked me in at bed at night. And you, th- you think that's a joke. It's actually not. Like, like the night before I was married, I, I was sleeping in my bedroom. But Okay, so that's kind of my life. Um, so dad would put me to bed, and for the majority of that time, I would like if the closet door was open, right, I'd have him check under the bed. Not every night did we check under the bed, just most nights. Um, I have a vivid imagination, so sometimes it would run wild and would kind of get the best of me. And so you could say that when I was a kid, I was kind of a, a scaredy cat, right? Like, I, pe- people recently are like, oh, Stranger Things, we love this show, it's amazing. Like, season two's coming out, and people all over, like, I run into them, like, are you watching Stranger Things? I'm like, absolutely not. It is the scariest thing I've ever seen. I turn it off within the first 10 minutes. I heard a sound in the house. I sent Chelsea to check on it. <laughs> By the way, today is our 18th wedding anniversary. Yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're just getting started. We are just getting started. Um, So yeah, I'm kind of one of those guys. Now when I was younger, and when I say younger, when I was a teenager, so not that young, um, if I got scared, and I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be very vulnerable with you right now. When I got scared, oftentimes I would knock on my dad and mom's door, and dad would almost know, be like probably three, four, five in the morning, whatever it was, and he'd say, all right, grab your pillow, grab your blanket, and I would lay on the floor next to mom and dad's bed. Now, some of you are like, mom and dad would let, let me jump in the bed. Never, 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 never. Well, my dad was like, absolutely not. You are not sleeping in my bed, okay? This is mine. But he gave me the floor. So his love had, lim- had limits, right? <laughs> but it's crazy how, no matter how scared I was or the noises I heard or the imagination that was running wild, the moment I had the proximity to my father, who was always a half inch taller than me, six foot two, big quarterback hands from high school, larger than life figure. The moment I got under that blanket and that pillow on the floor next to dad's bed, absolutely every ounce of fear evaporated. And those were actually some of the nights I slept the best, right next to dad. We are living today in such fearful, troubling times. Have you noticed? So many people are so scared, so worried, so anxious, so fearful. And of course, it doesn't help that a lot of the outlets in which we get our information understand that today, if you're going to get viewers, if you're going to get clicks, if you're going to get likes, if you're going to get content out there, you kind of have to enhance its horror. Have you noticed? It has to be extra scary. And so then we forward it to friends and it goes viral because we're all like, ooh, this sounds crazy. This virus is going to go airborne and we're all going to die. Right? Like we, we, it's something about us. We're kind of drawn like a fly to one of those zappers, right? Like, ooh, lights. You know, we, something in us kind of likes it, but yet it ends up robbing us of the full human experience. So worried, so anxious, so stressful. Recently, I was taking a flight from Seattle to L.A., and the man in front of me was reading an article, and I happened to notice, because I love to read over people's shoulders. You know, it's so weird, you know? Um, I don't know why I noticed, but I just kind of looked up, and this, he was reading a, 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 a prominent magazine, and the article, the title of the article was something like, Adolescents Today 
are, are struggling with chronic or extreme anxiety at like epic rates. And I'm thinking, what, Adol the word adolescent, it's like, that, 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 that means kids. Remember the days when kids were like, being a kid was, you know, summers lasted forever and you were worry free and you'd look at kids and go, wow, to be a kid again, right? And here's this article saying even kids are being anxious and worried and fearful. I was talking to a publisher that I work with recently and he was talking about kind of the felt need in the world today and he said, you know, Judah, the books that are selling are books that are speaking to this idea of fear and anxiety. In fact, I've noticed recently, other than my friend Carl Lentz, whose book is either one or two right now in all of Christian spiritual writing, which I'm pretty excited about. It's called Own the Moment, by the way. But Max Licato just wrote a book, Be Anxious for Nothing, and it's number one on the list. Be anxious for nothing. Why? Because we are anxious for everything. People are fearful. People are worried. Have you come today as... Something on your mind that's kind of got you worked up, kind of got you fearful. All of a sudden, you know, we just turn on whatever news outlet you prefer. Like, it doesn't matter. There is so much content that we can consume that actually doesn't add to our peace at all. It adds to more worry and more fear and more anxiety. Do, 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 do you remember, like, there were days in the past, like, I don't know, the 80s, speaking of Stranger Things, there were things in the past, like the 80s, where, like, remember the scripture from Jesus? Like, each day has enough to be concerned about on its own. But now, you're in the aisle trying to buy Honey Nut Cheerios, and you're getting alerts on your phone about countries going to war and pestilence and disease and all these things that are happening. It's, it's like, I just came to get Honey Nut Cheerios. Back in 85, you could just go to the store and get Honey Nut Cheerios. Like, your biggest concern was, where's the cereal aisle again? Sir, sir, I can't, you know, that was like the big issue. But now you can be inundated without even thinking about it. I'm not saying that technology is all bad by any means. We're just taking an honest observation of the times and seasons in which we live. And it is clearly affecting us all. Jesus starts off, John 14, by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. It's like, I'm trying, Right? First of all, it is kind of an encouraging phrase, though, at the beginning of John 14, verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. It means that we actually have options. Like, that's kind of an encouraging aspect, right? It means that actually we don't have to let the core of our being get shaken by external situations, circumstances, and news outlets. We actually can find some steadfastness and some sureness on the inside. But if you're like me, kind of a classic scenario in church life, preacher gets up on Sunday and says, come on church, we're not going to be fearful, we're not going to be worried, we're not going to be anxious, God is good, we can do this. And everyone's like, yeah, woo, okay. And then you get to the parking lot, right? And because of the snow, your car has lost its battery charge and you're like, ah, I knew I shouldn't have come to church. Right? And it's like, and then there's Christians leaving the parking lot. They're supposed to be Christians. And you can't find one Christian because it's game day. No one's going to stop in the parking lot to ask you, need a jump? And you're like, ah! How quickly, 
right? We can have moments like these in church where we're like, that's right, come on, we're going to be bold, we're going to be peaceful, we're going to be calm, we're going to be cool, we're going to be collected, come on, we're Christians. And everyone's like, yeah, but just give us 10 seconds in the parking lot with a battery that won't charge or is uncharged. I don't even know what the term is. <laughs> Lost its power. <laughs> I love when I use examples I know nothing about. Reminds me of construction work. What? I don't know anything about that. But it is amazing how fragile our peace is. I don't think that's God's plan for our life. In fact, you'll find in John 14, John 14, 1, and then John 14, 27, they both say, let not your heart be troubled. Verse 27 says, neither let them be afraid. These two statements bookend for us a passage that actually will give us spiritual realities and practical helps so that actually our heart isn't troubled. And I'd like to take a little bit of Bible study time today on this snowy Sunday to give you some spiritual realities, some spiritual tools to help you be not anxious to not worry, to not be fearful. Oh, we're going to have our days and we're going to have our moments, but I think generally speaking, we have a strength, we have a Savior, we have a God who can give us some stability, who can give us some confidence. And today, I think, is a day God wants us to share in community these spiritual realities and practical tools that will help us worry less. Who could use a little less worry in your life? And the rest of you that did not raise your hand are liars. <laughs> you brought a friend. He's like, he usually doesn't call people liars, man. I'm really sorry. Next time, raise your hand. <laughs> John 14, let's jump in. Verse 15. We're going to focus on these 12 verses. Jesus says, it's in red. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, here's the problem when it comes to interpretation of Scripture. It's called isogesis. It's when you isolate a verse and don't put it back in its context, it leads you oftentimes to error. If I said that Scripture to you, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You say, who said that? Jesus. You'd go, ooh, wow, that's right. People will tell you, if you, don't, if, if you, you clearly don't love Jesus because you don't obey him. You don't bat a thousand. You don't do everything right. You're not you. If you, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Let's put this back in context because, by the way, the very next verse says what? The very next verse, verse 16, says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another, what's it say there? Helper, friend, which is to say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I'm going to give you a helper to do that. Which is to say, who amongst us can claim that you love God all by yourself? You don't even love God let alone keep his commandments. We love God because God loved us and put the love we have towards him in us in the first place. And by the way, has anyone ever been able to keep his commandments? Has anyone ever been able to bat a thousand? Has anyone ever been able to always obey God? So Jesus can't be saying here that you need to muster up your willpower, muster up your strength. I'll tell you how your heart won't be troubled. You will keep God's commandments and you'll prove to him that you love him. And guess what? That's why some Christians and Jesus followers are more anxious than other people in the world. 
because now they've doubled down on their anxiety. So now their anxiety is also layered with this sense of condemnation and guilt because I can't live up to God's rules. So clearly I don't love him. I'm out. Right? I mean, if, if you ever read scriptures like that, have been like, this is what? God, I need some help here. Have you, have you, do you get alerts on your phone? Right? Like, this is tough. No, we can't love him on our own. We can't keep his commandments on our own. Verse 15, if I could say it like this, is an introductory statement that is to provoke you to look for the answer. Jesus is saying, if you, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And we all go, I want, I, I want to, but every time I try, I can't. He's like, yeah, that's what I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to put the helper inside of you. Oh, so you're going to help us. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I just wanted to remind you, you really need help. And if you try verse 15 on your own, you're going to really realize really quickly how much help you need. He says, so I, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you how long? Forever. Going to give you a helper who will be with you forever. A helper who will, so, so you're going to get a foretaste of eternity on the inside of you. He, I'm going to give you a helper, and it says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is telling us that he's going to live on the inside of us. Here's the advantage you have in this life if you have believed and received the free gift that only Jesus gives you. You have a helper on the inside. Let me explain it like this. Anybody ever been to Sunday school when you were a kid? Any, any, any Sunday school people, okay? If you haven't, no problem, I'm gonna explain this. But for those of us that are scarred, I mean blessed by Sunday school, okay? <laughs> Miss Dolores used to teach us that if we responded and said the prayer, Jesus would come where? In our heart. Remember, Miss Dolores, Teacher Dolores, she would say, and boys and girls, Jesus is gonna come in your heart. Now, chances are you were one of those people or you brought a friend who was like, and Miss Dolores would be like, uh, yes, Sammy, what is it? Miss Dolores, how does he fit? How does Jesus, right? And we would all sit there. I remember this, I was in Portland, Oregon. We'd all sit there and be like, whoa. How does he get in there? Miss Dolores, meanwhile, is a volunteer, and she's winging it. That's a hard question for the senior pastor or the lead pastor. And she's like, well, boys and girls, Sammy, it's a good question. All these are delay tactics. It's a good question. Appreciate you for asking. Thank you for being here. Love you. Love your parents. Um, well, he just does. And one of the kids go, yeah, because he's God. And Miss Dolores goes, exactly. He's God. And he just does, and he fits in there. And we're all like, whoa, Jesus is in my heart. And like, if you grew up in the 80s, it's like, honey, I shrunk Jesus, you know, like, and, like, and we're like, whoa. And Miss Dolores is like, yeah, she's like, I think it's working, you know. Like they're right now, volunteers are winging it as we're in this room, you know. <laughs> But when we say Jesus is in your heart, what we're saying is it's the spirit of Jesus. So the Father, Son, and Spirit now have notice, I will make, we will make our home in you. The title of the message, our home in him, our home in you. So the Father, the Son, and the Spirit 
The spirit of Jesus, for Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. He is the expressed image of God. And so when you see Jesus, you've seen the spirit. When you've seen Jesus, you know the Father. The Father and Jesus are one. The Father and the Spirit are one. The Jesus and the Spirit are one. It's one God, three distinctions. And so the spirit makes its home in you, and now you have Father, Son, and Spirit. So actually, teacher Dolores was right. Jesus does come in your heart in spirit form. And how long will he stay? Forever. 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 Notice what his name is. His name is Helper. Helper. Which is to say, uh, yeah, you need help loving God. Uh, You need help keeping his commandments. You know this word helper. It can mean friend, which is awesome. But it truly speaks to two aspects of the spirit of Jesus that's on the inside of you. And by the way, you're like, well, I don't know if I have the spirit. Oh, the Bible makes it very abundantly clear. You actually can't say Jesus is God, he's my savior, unless the spirit of Jesus gets on the inside of you and helps you say it. So if you have ever said, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God, you have the helper on the inside of you, whether you're aware of it or not. He's on the inside of you. And that word helper would be best described in two ways. He is advocate and he is counselor. He is advocate and he is counselor, which is to say, what does the helper do in me and through me because he's inside of me? Well, first of all, he is your counselor. Let's read on. Look, look, look at the advantage you have in troubling times to experience supernatural peace. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I have adopted you, and you are mine. Look at this, semicolon. I will come to you. Do you feel abandoned? Do you feel overlooked? You feel marginalized? You feel undervalued? You feel like your spouse and you've grown distant? You feel like you haven't heard from your son who went off to college, you're starting to get worried, and you're wondering, God, are you faithful? God, are you true? God, are you there? Look at this promise. He says, I will come to you. I am not a negligent father. I am not far from you. I'm on the inside of you. I will come to you time and time and time and time again. I am faithful. I am true. I do not change. So I'm here to tell somebody who's going through the fight of their life or the storm of a lifetime, and you got questions, and you got concerns, and you got stress, and you got anxiety, and you got fear, and you're going, God, where are you? I want to remind you we have a promise that he is faithful, he is true, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. I will come to you. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Listen to that. The world's not going to see him because he's not, no longer in his physical, visible form. But we will still see him because now he's in his spirit form and the spirit within us will show us Jesus. He says, in the day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has, here it is again, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by the Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will manifest myself to him. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus is your counselor, which is to say the primary role of the Spirit of Jesus is to show you Jesus. The Spirit wants to do one thing the most on the inside of you. He yearns to show you Jesus. That's his passion, for he is Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'm just going to give you a little little tool 
a little, a little key. When you open this book, look for Jesus. It's my favorite. It's like a treasure hunt. It's my favorite thing to do is to open this book and say, now, 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 Spirit of Jesus, show me Jesus. I'm telling you, he'll show you Jesus in the book of Lamentations. Don't look for principles merely. Don't look for just a good story merely. Don't look for success keys merely. Look for Jesus, and this book will come alive to you. I love it. I, and by the way, sometimes I just read one verse a day. Chelsea reads way too much. I much more just want to get Jesus out of the word, you know? I'm kidding. She's, it's convicting. She's always like, oh, I read my New Testament 12 times today. Oh, cool, whatever. You're not encouraging anyone. We get it. But sometimes I'll read a whole, whole verse in one day. Yeah. And all throughout the day I'm thinking, Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, sh show me Jesus in this verse. Show me Jesus. In a verse, like if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, Jesus is in there. That's when you go, wait a minute, I can't love you and I can't keep, 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 keep your commandments. And that's where Jesus goes, I know, that's what I do. <laughs> Through you, for you, help you. And there he is. Telling you when we get together, it's got to be more about Jesus than ourselves. We read this book, it's got to be more about Jesus than ourselves. The strength and power, fortitude, strength and peace is not in ourselves, it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. What does the counselor do? He manifests to you Jesus. Notice what it says going all the way down. It says, verse 26, the helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He's a counselor. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Can I get incredibly candid with you? This happens on a semi-regular basis. Some days are really average and ordinary, and it's like, wow, Jesus, I really, you know, I'm not feeling a lot today. But consistently, God has been faithful in every season of my life, and I know a lot of people could testify in this room that here comes the counselor. All of a sudden, it's Monday morning. Oh, we had great services on Sunday. Well, you know what? Who cares if it doesn't change your Monday morning? If what we're talking about in here has no translation into your everyday ordinary life, it's just religious rhetoric, tradition, and customs, and we want to go beyond that, and I want to live, love, and look like Jesus. And I'm telling you, this is what will happen. It'll be a Monday morning, and one of your coworkers is in your face talking about this, that, and the other, and you're late, and you're always this, and I'm telling the boss, you shouldn't even work here. You're not qualified to work here. All of a sudden, you are getting real time in the moment, in the instant, counsel. And all of a sudden, the counselor starts calling back to your remembrance verses of Scripture that you don't even remember memorizing because you probably didn't. I'm telling you, this is my life. I've been under so much preaching. Lord, have mercy. But I'll be in, in the moment. I'm t I can't, I've lost count how many times. In the moment, here comes a verse of Scripture. Somebody's spitting in your face, and here's that verse, verse of Scripture. Lo love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Oh. And spits now just hitting your face from your coworker. And you're like, oh, oh. I'm telling you, it is the only thing that has kept me from hurting that coworker. <laughs> In the moment, people are like, wow, you're really self controlled. It's, it, I just have a built in counselor. Sometimes it's annoying. But <laughs> he will teach you all things. He will teach you. All things. He will teach you all things. Podcasts are nice. You have a built-in counselor. He will teach you all things. Nope, don't go there. No, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. 
I don't know about you, but I have never prayed under my breath more, especially for the Seahawks, but also for life. Just, just pray. Okay, God, help me, help me right now. I'm telling you, what an advantage in life. God, help me calm down right now. Ooh, I need you. Ooh, I need you. I want to hurt him real bad, real bad, real bad, real bad. Okay, thank you. And all of a sudden, he brings to my remembrance. Are you like me? I have things that I've been taught that are not true of God and not true of Scripture, and sometimes they lead me in my social experience. And all of a sudden, here comes my counselor to say, that's actually not what the Word says. Remember who you are. You aren't defined by your policy views. You aren't defined, but you're defined by me. Love all people. All people are God's children. And I know you weren't raised to see people like I see people, but I'm going to help you because I'm in you and I'm your counselor. And don't talk down to people. Don't patronize people. Don't belittle people. Don't marginalize people. Don't do that. Look, look, let's change. Come on, right now. It's who you are. That's right. I'm changing you. Okay, that's, that's, that's right. And all of a sudden, an old dog can learn new tricks. And all of a sudden, they said you wouldn't change, and you're set in your ways. But you are changing because you have a real-time counselor up to date in the moment who is teaching you and calling to remembrance. Do not underestimate the significance of our times together unpacking Scripture because you are putting seeds in your heart that I'm telling you your counselor and friend and helper will call on when you need it most. I mean, you don't need this right now, but you might need it in the parking lot in a few minutes. And there the counselor will be faithful to reveal himself to you. He is not only counselor, but he's also advocate. Can I show you how he's your advocate? He's your counselor, but he's always and also your advocate. Notice what John 16 says. You can fast forward with me. I'll just read it to you. John 16 and verse 7 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, it is to your advantage. It is to your advantage. We have an advantage. We have an advantage. It's to your advantage. I have an advantage. That'll preach right there. That I go away. Think about that. Jesus says, it's better that I go away in physical, visible form because now my spirit will be on the inside of you and I will walk with you. For I do not go away. For if I do not, the helper will not come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they, no, it doesn't say you, it says they, meaning those that do not believe in me, concerning sin because they do not believe, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you. Notice the distinction. Sin, they, righteousness, you. And then verse 11 concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. What is an advocate? It's a go-between. The spirit of Jesus is to remind you that Jesus is your advocate, has been your advocate, and you now are righteous. So he will counsel you in real time what to do, how to conduct yourself. He'll anchor you back to the word, the living word, Jesus, and he'll remind you who you are. Are, which is how he works as an advocate. Now, 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 if Jesus forgave you all of your sins, notice the words of Jesus, the, la the seven statements he breathed out on the cross while suffocating in his own blood. What was the last statement? It is 
finished, which is to say it is complete. All sins are now able to be forgiven if we simply accept the free gift that only Jesus offers. So it is finished works into the future, it works in the past, and it works in the present. So when you receive the forgiveness of Jesus, you're not just receiving forgiveness for sins you can remember or sins you've done, you're also being forgiven for the future sins that you will commit. So why would the Spirit of Jesus convict you of something that's been forgiven? Hold on a second. Don't stone me. Why would Jesus say, you're forgiven, but hey, that's really bad and you should stop? Well, I thought you forgave me. So here's what he does. He convicts the advocate convicts you of righteousness. The focus is not sin. The focus is the finished work of Jesus that conquered sin. And so the spirit of Jesus does not use condemnation or guilt or shame, for none of that produces the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Only Jesus can do that for us. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So here's how it works. You start to sin. You're already forgiven, but you start to sin. You're sinning, and yet that sin's already been forgiven. So you know how the Spirit works on the inside, the Spirit of Jesus? He nudges you just like this. He says, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. It's not who you are. Well, 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 who am I? You're righteous. You're righteous. You got right standing with God. You don't want that. That's, that's your old life. That's your old appetites. That's your old desires. Those won't fulfill. That's not who you are. The Spirit of God does not move in and say, look at you. Look how bad you are. Look, you did it again. I know what you did last summer. I can't believe you did it again. How bad are you? Guilt, guilt, guilt. Shame, shame, shame. Judgment, judgment, judgment. And no wonder we are not very nice to people. Who's we? Jesus followers. Because, again, we've doubled down the fear and anxiety with shame and guilt. And now we're walking around going, I, I thought I loved Jesus, but I can't keep his commandments. And now the spirit of Jesus inside of me reminded me, you can't keep his commandments. You never keep his commandments. Your batting average stinks. And now we're just like, ah. Oh. And no wonder people don't want to come to church. I don't want to be reminded. I'm already reminded internally. Judgment, sin. No, 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 no. I've already been judged righteous. Sins forgiven and covered because of Jesus. It is finished. Jesus is more righteous than you have ever been sinful. Your sin has been covered in his righteousness. And now you are, you are, you are, you are. Don't mean like you always act like it, but you are. We are. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And my advocate on a regular basis reminds me that's who you are. Hey, you're not acting like who you are, but I still love you. This is who you are. Be more who you are. Be true to yourself. Be true to who God has made you to be, designed you to be. That's who you are. And here comes the goodness of God that leads us to repent. The goodness of God that leads us, empowers us, enables us to change. Isn't it amazing? That little advocate nudge who says, that's not who you are, and you go, you know what? That's right. I do not have to live like this. 
this is not who I want to be. No matter who said I was going to be like this, that, and the other, and you're going to be just like your grandpa, just like your dad, just like your mom, just like your aunt. Ooh, you remind me just of your uncle. You know that dirty little uncle. And you just like that. And all of a sudden, you're like, no, that's not. I'm not defined by that. I'm defined by the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and that's who I am. And he comes to convict you of who you are and whose you are. That's how you can experience traction. It's also how we experience a peace, a confidence, and an ease. You'll never be more righteous than you are right now. This forgiveness that you have, it's forever. It's permanent. You're accepted and you're loved. It's quiet because our brains go, what? Your brain goes, tilt. It can't be, right? Too good to be true? Yep, that sounds like the gospel. Sounds like the gospel. We have a helper. We have an advocate. We have a counselor. Notice what it says. It says in verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's. Now let's, for a few moments, let's define this word keep, because much has been misunderstood about this word keep. You hear keep, my commandments, and what, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you think of? You probably think of something like um, adhere to, um, uh, 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 the list, and checking everyone off. I got to keep his commandments. I got to keep his commandments. The goal is keep his commandments. I got to keep his commandments, okay? If you love me, you keep my commandments. Okay, I promise I love you. I'm going to prove. I'm going to be down here. I'm going to be proving that I love you. Okay, I'm going to keep your commandments. I'm going to keep your commandments. And the way that we understand keep is not the actual meaning of the word. Do you know what the word keep here means? In its literal, most literal form, it means to keep a close eye on or watch. That's all. Watch. Watch. It also means guard. It also means follow. Do you know what Jesus is actually saying here? He's saying, if you love me because I first loved you and gave you the ability to love me back and chose you in your mind, you will watch me. You will guard and value me, and you will follow me. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay. The word keep here literally speaks to the idea that you have something so valuable that you watch over it, you guard it, and you do whatever it takes to value it. It's actually not the picture in portrait of robots serving Jesus. What are you doing? Keeping his commandments. <laughs> and there's this built-in fear system. What are you doing? Keeping his commandments. Oh, oh man. Oh man. And by the way, when you're living with this kind of anxiety and stress, if you see one other person who's not, you're like, you, ooh. You ever, you ever live like this for Jesus? And then you meet someone who's living like this for Jesus? <laughs> hey, man. And you're like, ah, oh, wrong, bad. <laughs> Let's go protest them. Let's blog about them. Why? Because we're all over here. Uh, what am I doing? I'm proving to God that I love him. Back off. <laughs> Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You don't look free. I am. Never been more free. Just leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Love your neighbor. I don't have time for that. Come on. 
You don't look free. I, I, I think I am. Man, you, you love Jesus, so yeah, yeah. It's tough times, though, okay? Huh. It's hard, so I just keep praying. Oh, are you happy? Yeah, I got the joy of the Lord. Sometimes it's just not on my face, okay? Relax. <laughs> I'm beyond happy. I got joy that never manifests because it's so deep. <laughs> so, so God bless you. You should go to church, read your Bible, but you don't. Uh. And this word keep doesn't mean a tight walk. It means you just keep your eyes on Jesus and you guard your time with him and make margin to be with him and, and then you just love following him. Nowhere in the word keep does it mean that you bat a thousand. Nowhere in the word keep does it mean that you always check off every box. It just means that you realize the treasure you have and you've oriented your life around it and you watch it and the love of God motivates you to live a life that you otherwise would never be able to live. We have this treasure in these ordinary lives. People are like, I cannot, have you heard about so-and-so? Yeah, well, I am that so-and-so. You wouldn't believe what I would be capable of if it wasn't for Jesus. No, it's not us and them, we are all one. We're humanity. We're all broken, we're all dust. We're all incapable of living up to the rules of God. But he loved us, sent his son for us, and then sent his spirit in us, who reminds us every day, that's not who you are. Remember what Jesus said. Remember what I said. Remember who you are, whose you are. Come on, you can do this. And all of a sudden, there's distinction in the world between those who follow Jesus and those who have yet to realize his grace and his goodness. And the Bible says, and I, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Which is to say, I don't give you a sense of well-being because I make all your circumstances, scenarios, and situations right. Can we just all get really, really bare bones honest today? Anybody can have a sense of stability and general joy and peace when things are going great. I'm talking to some people that have lived life long enough to know that some seasons are hard and some seasons are beyond your understanding, but in it all, God grants you peace in the midst of your storm. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. Understand what this peace is. This peace is not a state of mind. This peace is not merely an attitude. This peace is a person, for he is the Prince of Peace. And as sure as you have the Spirit of Jesus on the inside of you, you have the Spirit of Peace. It's one of his names. And so peace as a person is inside of you. Peace lives in you and has made his home in you. I leave it with you. I give it to you. I have a peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because I got a helper. He counsels me. He's my advocate. Reminds me who I am every day. And you know what? I'm telling you, that's why historically, Jesus followers are at their best when the world is at its worst. Did you know when we have thrived the most under the most intense persecution? Did you know that? That's when we multiply the most. The badder, the harder, the more difficult, 
the stronger and more distinct those are who have the helper on the inside. Notice what Jesus says. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. That's how the whole chapter started, remember? And then he adds, comma, neither let it be afraid. You know, the word, the word troubled there literally means agitated. And the word afraid means actually full of fear. Now that's a little bit challenging because Jesus, at the climactic conclusion of our study today, is Jesus saying, not only do I want you to avoid being full of fear, I don't want you to be agitated in the core of your being. That's no way to live. So if you're here and you say, Judah, I'm, I'm fine. I, I think you're kind of overplaying the whole fear thing. But have you been a little shaken on the inside, getting agitated? You, you ever get kind of just feisty? And you're like, why am I so feisty right now? Just oh, I'm agitated, right? So much information, stuff going on. I'm just like, ah. Jesus is saying, hey, you don't have to live that way. I got peace for you on the inside. I got peace for you on the inside. Well, Lord, help me. I will. I'm going to bring things to your remembrance. I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to remind you who you are, and I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to do it every day. Do you know the advantage that we, you and I have? Now, all of a sudden, if you step back from this and go, wow, 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 doesn't it somewhere in your heart push you to say, we got to get this message out? We got to tell broken, hurting people that God wants to make his home in them. That's the big impetus behind our new name. Welcome home. You are home with God, and God is home with you. And there's a God space in your soul. And when he feels it, when he fills it, you're home. <laughs> and Miss Dolores was right. Jesus comes into your heart. And that's the big idea of the universe. And so we're passionate about wherever God wants us to go. We're going to go, and we're going to tell the world, you can come home now. God's not mad at you. He loves you. He's for you. He's with you. And only he can make you right. Not only will he make you right, but he'll walk with you every day. He'll give you counsel. He'll bring to your remembrance the story of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. And you will live a life you never dreamed possible. Wow! Yeah, that's why we got to get the message out. we got to get the story out. We gotta tell people how good God is. What? You don't think God cares about the divorce? You don't think God cares about your kids? You don't think God cares about your pay cut? You don't think God cares about that diagnosis? You don't think God cares about your sleeplessness? You don't think God cares about that headache? You don't think God cares about the knee surgery? You don't think God cares about your grandparents? Oh, no. He is there every step of the way, and he cares about every detail, and he is involved. So guess what? You can grab that pillow, and you can grab that blanket, and you can cozy up to your father, and that fear that you had can evaporate because the proximity you have is intimate. He has made his home in you. He is home in you, and you are home in him. This is our confidence in Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Jesus, we thank you so much for your realities. We thank you for what you're saying and 
what you're doing in our community. We, we are blown away by you. I pray in this moment that you'd speak to hearts all over this room and any room watching. If you say, Judah, I would like to ask Jesus in my heart. I'd like to welcome Jesus to be home in me and me to be home in him. I believe. I believe that Jesus died, rose again. He's my savior. He's the only one that can forgive me of my error, my wrong, and my sin. And I'd like to declare that my life's gonna be for him. My life's gonna be about him. What I'm gonna ask on the count of three, if you wanna make this decision of your own free will, for you to lift up your hand and put it right back down. You know who you are. God loves you so much. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to lift up your hand, put it right back down. I ask you to do this because I truly believe when you respond on the outside to what's happening on the inside, it becomes even more real to you personally. On the count of three, one, God loves you. Two, I actually believe you'll never be the same. Three, if that's you, would you raise your hand all over the room and say, man, I'd like to make this decision beautiful, amazing, extraordinary. Anybody else, just slip it up and put it right back down. God, thank you for these hands. And oh God, thank you for these hearts that are finally home, home in you. Welcome home. We thank you, God. Thank you for your forgiveness that flows freely in this room and in this space. If you're here and you say, Judah, I love Jesus, but I needed to be reminded of the advantage I have. I want to think different. I want to walk different. I want to remember my counselor and my advocate who's going to help me every day. If God's speaking to you today, would you lift up your hand? This is a sign that you're signaling God, hey, I, I, I get it. You're talking to me. You're speaking to me. Lord, we're responding today to let you know you're talking to us through your word, the greatest story ever told. And we say yes to your ways and to your word. And God, we welcome, we welcome your spirit, the spirit within us, leading us, guiding us, the advocate, the counselor, the friend, the helper. You are home with us and we are home with you. And we thank you for that today. And Lord, in these moments that we begin to sing and use music as a platform to connect with you, we pray you'd meet us in real, genuine, authentic ways on the inside. Come on, if you're willing and able, would you stand with us and let's sing out what we believe about our great God. Come on, church.